And so the Fed, they're hunting them down, trying to remove what they're doing. And then after they do what they do, then they'll come back and talk to the client, again, the business owner, and say, yeah, oh, by the yeah. way, we broke into your building and sorry, we destroyed a bunch of stuff. We shut down your plant floor. Didn't mean to, but we had to go get these bad guys. Yeah, I'm with you. That's just generally my impression is because the government has changed tactics. And are those tactics that they're using add more risk to the OT environment if you're not managing appropriately? I say they don't even realize that they're impacting they the business to produce the goods that they make. <laughs> they're not sure. They I don't care. That very first lesson from the field, which was, you know, the scanning disruption to prevent disruption. So how does it go? The cure is just as bad as the disease. Hey, I'm Dino Busalaki, the Chief Technology Officer and OT guy at Delta Technology. Hi, I'm Jim, the COO and IT guy. And I'm Craig Duckworth, President and CEO. You're listening to the Industrial Cybersecurity Insider Show. In each episode, we bring you the inside scoop on the world of industrial cybersecurity. We talk about everything you don't know. That you should know. So plug in and power up. The show's about to get started. Hi, I'm Dino Busalaki. I'm the Chief Technology Officer for Velta Technology. Hi, I'm Jim Cook, the COO of Velta Technology. And what are we talking about on this one, Dino? We're going to talk about lessons learned in the field in installing OT cybersecurity technologies and platforms. This is a fun one. I jotted some things down that you get your head scratching the first time I saw it. And now it's just common, right? And if you're not looking for it, you don't realize these things are out there. I'm going to start with one and then we'll see where we go with this. I call it scanning to stop disruption, right? And I always like to come from the IT side. It's very common on the IT side to do the scanning. But if you're not controlling your scanning or don't understand what you're scanning, you cause disruption. But why are you doing the scanning to prevent disruption? Right. We've seen that out there a lot. I know you've seen it where it's caused major disruption, but we've talked to guys that are running those machines. And when does it happen? Are you at least notified? And says I'm notified when the machines stop running. Right. Yeah. It's IT applying their best practice to try to discover and learn about all the assets that are within their view of the environment that they're responsible for. Just unfortunately, they capture the OT stuff that's been connected up over the last several years due to digital transfer. Transformation industry 4.0, remote access requirements, especially with COVID. And, and to an IT person, it's normal procedure for that, right? Pen testing, that type of stuff where they're scanning, trying to discover assets. And the challenge is when you hit an OT network and you do that, it can cause PLCs, for example, to comfall or go safe because if they can't communicate within a timely manner to a machine that's got very tight tolerances on communications, they will fault and they will go safe. And so that's one issue that you'll find. And so for IT, even those that have learned their lesson and have created exclusionary lists that say these are the networks to stay away from, how do you keep it pristine? Because over time, things change. People change, technologies change, things get updated, new networks come out online, and all of a sudden you find it happening again. And so the intent is these OT, IDS, intrusion detection system platforms, as advertised, not market architecture, are designed to be passive. There's a reason why they're passive. And even interesting, you bring that up. That's something with the OT IDS systems. They count scanning as an issue, right? Yeah. Scanning that commonly happens. And it's for this very reason, right? And the vendors will tell you that, right? Rockwell will tell you that. Siemens will tell you that. Cisco will tell you that. Anybody that knows anything about industrial control system infrastructure will tell you do not scan actively into these OT environments, just blindly port scanning, <laughs> any of it, right? You don't do it. And, and some have learned, painfully, they've learned to quit doing it. 
And we've seen exclusionary lists and we've seen a client. It took us a while to get the security team to sit down at the table because we recognized they were scanning the control system network to plant. And the plant was complaining about it and everybody was ignoring them. And the networking team that was involved in the project was thinking, well, isn't this just normal? And by the time the security people showed up and sat down at the table, they were showed what they were doing. It's like, that stuff's supposed to be on the exclusionary list. It was at one time. And the question then becomes is, how do you keep that from happening? We have the technology and the tools to do it today. It's just that when you get to the OT environment, as you go through what we've witnessed, is not everybody has a good understanding of how this stuff's put together. I want to take this and then go to the next step. So the OT guys, they know this goes on, right? And they just try and work around the IT guys. So this is another lesson from the field that you get machines connected on their own path, right? They find a way around the IT and whether it's from disruption or whether it's because it's difficult to work with, or it's just easier. We've seen this where those machines are plugged into, say, a vending network, right? Yeah. Take Fastenal machines. They're out there providing PPE, for example, right? And it's down inside the plant. And it's very easy to connect it within the confines of that plant network that's right next to the networks that the control systems are that are probably also connected to the same network. And that's where you'll find those things that have remote access up and out. You'll find cellular modems in those things that have access out, but they're still connected to the plant network or the customer network per se. And so it's not uncommon. We find it all the time. It's so easy. Somebody's looking for a jack to plug something in, an Ethernet jack. And the next thing you know, somebody's doing exactly that. When I plug it into this, people call me and they don't help me fix my problem. When I plug right. it into this, they may open up other problems, but at least they get their machine back right. running. And right? then you listen to some IT guys sit there and go, we have network access control, right? We got NAC. You plug in and if you're not recognized or you don't have the right credentials, you don't get on. And it's like, on whose network? Your network? What about plant network? But it's for them, we're going towards NAC. We're looking for segmentation. It's, yeah, you're not there. And even if you are there and moving in that direction, how do you stay there? Because these are not static environments. They're very dynamic. We've been working with a client, but the plant manager told us he's got people from all over the world accessing his plant floor every single day. Right. Think about that for a second. And he doesn't know what they're doing. And IT doesn't know what they're doing, but they're in there every day. Yeah. They show All up on site, they, they, they right. remote in. And so when you go down, and so what is that person doing? So when you get in there and there's unsecure protocols, there's open ports, there's host scans, you got the login failures and monitoring that stuff, default passwords, unencrypted passwords. We find all of these insights demonstrating the vulnerabilities and weaknesses in this environment. And who's doing anything about it? If you don't know it exists, how are you going to chase it down and try to solve the problem to, to fix it? Right. Interesting point from there is you're not going to find it till you get out there on the floor, right? Because those plant managers aren't broadcasting that bat through the organization, are they? No. They're not going to say, hey, just so you know, daily reminder, we had who knows who come into our network last night and work on our machines. We don't know. That's something they don't share, but you got to find that out when you're on the floor, right? Yeah, it's just like the conversation we had recently about the Apple devices, right? Now, somebody would look, when you see an Apple device, if it's connected to the BACnet network, which is the environmentals or the building system or some testing system that you have because of the type of business you're in, and that's connected to the network, then all of a sudden, yeah, you do have a Mac sitting out there that's not being monitored. There's no EDR and there's nothing, but it's connected to your network within that environment. And somebody would sit there and go, those tablets are not OT assets. Well, okay, now from a risk perspective, who owns 
owns that. And this is where you get the deer in the headlight. Look, IT didn't buy that and we don't use that asset. And OT is using that asset and it's valuable to what they're doing. But they're not the security team. Right. It's not their responsibility. Right. Nobody's telling them, you've got to do a better job of doing, being cybersecurity experts and professionals in your environments. Here's some money. Here's some tools. So here's some expertise, skills, any of that stuff. No, they're just worried about getting it out the door and making sure that machine's running. And they've been taught, OT's been taught over the years, because I've witnessed this, I've lived through this, what the controls people will do was they'll just put multiple network interfaces on their equipment. That's how I keep IT out of my hair, right? I'll put two NICs in my PLC. I'll put two NICs in my server. I'll put two NICs in my engineering workstation. And now I have a device that straddles both worlds. And IT is not responsible or accountable for the other side of that house. But yet, the machine is connected to their network. Networks. And now it's a conduit, either way, up or down, and they too choose to ignore it. And that kind of leads to this other point that I wanted to touch on, which was I mentioned before, they're not advertising certain things, right? Because sometimes they're afraid of it going away, right? And we see this all the time. We'll be walking on the floor and, well, is that machine connected, right? <laughs> you open it up and so what's that? But yeah, it's just connected, but can I leave it there? And we're in the business of identifying these things and offering up mitigations on how to handle that. But again, they're not going to advertise. They're not going to communicate it because they've been successful working around the IT controls and the IT network and the IT support. And they've been successful doing it. They want to keep doing that. They don't want that other headache that you said where everybody sits around who is responsible. Yeah, ultimately, you think it'd be the senior leadership who I think that have been misinformed by their teams by assuming that the message coming to them is that we're air gapped. Those things aren't connected to my business system network. Those things are separate, right? They must be separate because obviously there's different groups managing them. So they have to be separate. Somebody needs to inform them that either they're being lied to or that's just the ignorance within the organization doesn't understand what they've done to themselves, right? Because everywhere we go, there is nobody immune from the things that we find that when I listen to one thing, I just take it with a grain of salt and say, yeah, okay, I'm taking notes. I'm listening to you. Now let's go see what's really going on versus reality. Man, you're just leading. And by the way, Dino hasn't seen this list and I'm just checking off things. I should have made it into a quiz show. And we hear this all the time, right? This is our policy. This is our policy. This is our policy. But until you get on the floor and find out what the real practice is, does policy really matter in that case? Because that's what we take practices over policy. That's what we're trying to identify. And some of the projects we get involved with, even though the scope, they want it to be narrow, right? right. Because as soon as you start digging, if you're standing in a hole and you're digging, what are you supposed to do? Put digging, right? And the problem is that they've got this problem. So you've started this digging process and now we're finding all these vulnerabilities. And all you want to do is shift back to the focus of just stick to the scope. I don't need for all these other risk activities to float up and, and, and get beyond my control to be able to manage this, right? It's an interesting dynamic when you start going into these engagements and people start realizing what they've been communicating is not what the organization really fully understands about that environment per se. Are we safe. Again, we can talk about this. This is another podcast of what have the feds been doing chasing these terrorists, these hackers that have been breaking into organizations, right? It's going right. on. You got the feds out there because businesses don't know what's going on from China in their own backyard here in the States, for example. And so the feds, they're hunting them down, trying to remove what they're doing. And then after they do what they do, then they'll come back and talk to the client, again, the business owner. 
and said, yeah, oh, by the yeah. way, we broke into your building and sorry, we destroyed a bunch of stuff. We shut down your plant floor. Didn't mean to. But we had to go get these bad guys. Yeah, I'm with you. That's just generally my impression is because the government has changed tactics. And are those tactics that they're using add more risk to the OT environment if you're not managing appropriately? I'd say they don't even realize that they're impacting business to produce the goods that they make. <laughs> they're not sure. They don't care. That very first lesson from the field, which was, you know, the scanning disruption to prevent disruption. So how does it go? The cure is just as bad as the disease, something like that. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, we'll save that for another podcast. We've got right. some good stuff on that. <laughs> another thing that we always hear, you were mentioning outside access, but we'll go into places all and on and there's no outside access. And then you got to answer the question, who fixes that machine? Well, except for this. And I think in addition to that, I'm saying the majority of the machines, I'm thinking back, at least in the past year, the panels we've opened up, they all have remote access built mm -hmm. into the machine, right? And and if you told an IT security person that oh, you got six different methods of remote access and who knows who has those IDs, and like you were mentioning before, the plant managers know people are coming in, right? Bob, do the IT security guys do? No. Yeah. So what's his job at that point when something like that happens? What power do they really have when somebody over in India has remote access to your plant floor? Unfettered, right? You have no idea what they're doing once they're in there. Oh, no, by the way, this machine is actually connected to the enterprise network right, of the organization, right? right? It's yeah. connected. So what's your job at the end of the day? What are you supposed to do? This violates policy, every bit of it. The risk is ridiculous. What's more important? You going out there and, and ripping that remote connection out of there or let the plant, let that piece of equipment shut down, and which might ultimately shut the plant down. And now you're losing right. hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars a day or whatever it is. What is your role when it right. comes to that? We had a CIO. What did they say? If there's a machine connected to the internet, why should I care? It's the thing, because their scope, you mentioned before, the scope is, okay, I'm just worried about stuff on my network. Shouldn't This gets to that overlapping security resilience and operational resilience, right? And okay, your scope should be the business, right? Not just what's connected to your network. Yes, those are vectors. But if your scope and you're providing security services for the business, that's why you should care, right? Because somebody has the ability, 15-year-old kid can send 500 cameras or video streams to your PLC that's sitting on the internet and shut that piece of equipment down. It's right. sitting at a key critical spot within your plant that if that machine goes down, your plant starts slowing and then it stops. When that response was given, that CIO didn't have a response to that. It wasn't like they were in a cop and say, oh yeah, you're right, that's a bad idea. <laughs> they said nothing. That's the chasm that I have to cross at some point to go, what is my role, just my network, that what I can see and what that's I know. That's the whole point. Right. About the, the security. Place. Really, right. what's your job? When it comes to if you find bad stuff, what are you going to do about it? The plant's going to tell you, if I don't have this, plant shuts down. Who trumps who at that stage? We know who wins every time, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> then it gets back to the point, then why isn't OT leading this? Yeah, we have to beat on OT a little bit too, right. right? We can't let them off the hook. Yeah, trust me, I say it all the time. They need to grow up and be big boys and girls and mature and start really understanding what their cybersecurity hygiene looks like in their plant and start caring about it. Start right. having some really good conversations with their peers on the IT side who can give them governance, who can give them policy, can talk technology, work together on it instead of reverting back to your own camps because it's too difficult of a challenge for you to figure out. Yeah. Back it, to the whole federal government breaking into your environment <laughs> and doing what they're doing. 
Yeah, definitely. They need to work together and recognize it. I think we've said this before, awareness and having those discussions together on how to move it forward, because it can be a difficult discussion and it can be difficult to get your proper controls in place or mitigating controls, whatever that might be. And while we always say you got to be moving forward, think of it as a continuous improvement. They need to get together and keep moving it forward and keep getting it better. You can't just assume we put this in place and that should fix it. Just a simple fix from the IT side could take months on the OT side, whether it's response or mitigation or remediation or everybody's patch management, right? It's not that easy. So it takes a little bit of different skill set and takes well, a little bit of perspective, right? Yeah. It has to be part of the culture, right? Yeah. And because people come and go. I think how many people we've been working with just to go over the past year, facilities guy's been on the job six weeks, right? He knows this much about that environment that he's working in when it comes to this conversation. Same thing on the IT. We see the same thing on the these security people move around the average tenure of, of a CISO. And I'm guessing for other IT security people, it's less than two years. It's 18 months, maybe 12 months. These folks are floating around. In order to be successful at this, you have to start building some type of governance and structure and make it part of the culture because you're going to have people coming and going. And you don't want these initiatives just to die because the person that's been working on it the past six months moved on and up and out to something else. And especially the executives. There are people that have been tasked with being in leadership roles. They bounce around within the organization, right? And so if you don't put something in place to make it sustain the time of the resources, tenure in the job, then you're just spinning your wheels. It has to be a business priority at that point, right? I think even getting it there, it's going to take an individual or individuals talking to each other to go, this should be a business priority. And please, who's ever the funding agent within that organization, you have to be able to communicate what those risks are, which some of the things that we talked about here from are very real situations. And probably half of them are going on in many different organizations in one site. And those are very real things that you could go back to and say, hey, do you know Jim, some of those lessons from the field, we found five of those things and we didn't really have to look hard. Those are very real things to take up into your organization and say, this should be a business priority, guys. And it is a core competency, right? Are you pursuing a core competency in this realm? Are you going to rely on third parties to help you with this? Do you have your in-house legal? Do you have in-house legal or do you rely on just using legal when you need it? Because you're going to need that as you start moving forward. We were talking about people coming in and from all over the world at any time in any of those devices. It was a five-minute discussion with the plant manager. I know that, right? And that's what they said. So those are very real things that you have to be a detailed person to understand to go, hey, wait a minute, is that good for the organization? On one hand, we're keeping everything going, but from a security standpoint, we need to come together and say, let's figure out how to address this and make it a business priority. Now that it's a business priority, let's start digging deeper. Let's find that knowledge base that we need to move it forward, which is where we generally come in into those areas, right? Which is, we think we have a problem. Can you guys help identify those things? And it's whether through a combination of us being on the floor and cracking those panels and looking at and tying it back oh. to their network and doing running IDS devices or defensible architecture, any number of things, man, there's just so much to pick from, but you have to go, these are very real things and we see them all over the place. And you bring up a valid point. Who are you interviewing? You're not interviewing the IT guys. No. We really, what are they going to tell you? You don't already know, right? You can see the technology that they use oh. and the roles that they have, networking person, security person, program project management person. You can look at their IDFs and look at their data center and a plan and see how they put things together. Who do we go interview? Who is it that we go and talk to to discover this stuff? 
It's the plant manager, his or her direct line managers, right? The facility it's the managers. Team. Who takes us around and pops open those panels, right? The AJs uh-huh. of the world, right? The guy that's got all the keys to these, all these 50 machines <laughs> that you got out here and knows what those machines do uh, and when right, they run and right. when they go down, right? If you're not doing that level of discovery and interviewing, then you're never going to get there, right? right you're just right. not. And that's the job. OT cybersecurity is what I just described. It's not sitting and talking to CIO, CISO, and and their networking team, and and this much of it. That's a piece. The bulk of the work is going out there. And because one plant and going and talking to that group of people, you're going to get a whole different flavor and story at another plant, even within the same organization. Right. That's maybe something a little different that this plant's seven years old. This one's 15 years old. That one over there is 30 years old. This one here is under construction. They're different. So that conversation has to be had with each one of them those. Really get to the task of what are these assets doing? What are the risk and vulnerabilities associated with them? How are they connected? How are they interact with one another? How's the OEM involved? What's the remote access look like? There's a whole uh-huh. bevy of things that you got to go through in order to get this story figured out. And that's why we say this many times to all our people that we require field time. It's just as important as behind screen time to put all this stuff together. I'll do my quick wrap up. So I hope if you stuck around, we threw out a bunch of things that we see all the time, right? And it's not everything. That list is long, just what we got to touch on. But what I would say to wrap the whole thing up is, as I always say, get better. And this is on the floor. These are things that you find on the floor. So you have to figure out a way to get on the floor, get somebody on the floor to have those conversations, to look at what's going on, to really start putting this puzzle together and how to move these moving it forward, how to make it a business priority. So with that, I'll hand it off to you for the final wrap up. What I would say that it's not a Monday through Friday eight to five gig to do this. It's after hours, it's weekends. You got to work around plant shutdown events in order to get in there and really do this work and take the time to do it right. And if you're not willing to do that, like I said, you're not going to get there if you're not going to go spend the time in those particular windows to go do discovery. At the same time, you really got to start learning the plant operation and the process and the roles of the leadership and teams out there in those manufacturing facilities and who their partners are, their supply chain. That's the job. If you're not doing that, then you're not going to get to the OTC cybersecurity posture, OT cybersecurity posture you're after. All right. Thanks everybody for attending and until the next podcast, appreciate you listening. Thanks for tuning in to the Industrial Cybersecurity Insider Podcast. To stay up to date with our latest episodes, be sure to click the follow or subscribe button now. And if you found this podcast helpful or have a topic you'd like us to cover, please leave us a review or let us know. If you're interested in learning more about Velta technology and how you can get safer sooner, visit veltatech.com. That's V-E-L-T-A tech.com. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.